Welcome to another NY Just Fans podcast with hosts Davin Sharman and Chris as we get into another week of football. Um, very shortly, we'll, we will have special guest Connor Rogers with us, um, so please stand by. Um, but as as we get into some football news, let's start off with uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, they released Gerald McCoy, and then they signed Indomitable Sue for $9.25 million, one-year deal. Um does 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 it impact Tampa Bay much, or is it, or was it like a great move for them? Hey man, um, listen, um, I think that was just a, a straight up money thing. Uh, uh, they're they're basically the same player. They've they got in the league about the same time. They their stats are not that far apart. Um, so I don't think um, I don't think they they're they're you know uh. They're they're giving up too much. Uh, they they signed a guy point nine point two five like you said, and 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 McCoy was was owed like thirteen million for this season, I think. Correct. Season, yeah. I think. Yeah. So right. yeah. So so I think it's a straight up money thing for them. Uh, I I I, told, I see why they they did that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's definitely just a straight up money thing. I don't think it was a you know McCoy wasn't performing that well, and Sue was much better. I think they're right about the same. Uh, Sue ended the, the year last year uh, very well in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Uh, All right. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, to me, it's just a money thing. They saved whatever it was, a couple of million off of McCoy's, McCoy's contract over Sue's. So I think that's all that was about. Um, I think it was a smart move because of the fact of the matter is that McCoy, McCoy uh, last three years was no money guaranteed. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. so it really wasn't like a, a cap charge or nothing uh, making that move. So that was a smart move for the Tampa Bay. Um, uh, McCoy, speaking of McCoy, uh, he, he definitely wants to play for He wants to play for a contender. Um, I know Odell Beckham and the Browns is trying to record, uh, trying to recruit him. Uh, man, I, if, if I they, think he was if, visiting whew. Baltimore today or tomorrow or something. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, wasn't that next on his? Uh... Right, and he visited Cleveland on Thursday. So, if right. if Cleveland have happens to to get to get to get McCoy, then Lord Jesus, that that <laughs> that seven is going to be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they 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 would be they would be really talented. Uh, um, again, I think a question about the Cleveland Browns, which I think we're probably going to touch in in more um in more detail at another at a later date. Um. I think the question will just be because on paper they will be a monster team. I think the question is just be trying to corral all these high end ego driven guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like like yeah. you have too many. I mean I've never I've never I mean I've never seen anybody uh, you know any team like that in my lifetime. I can't remember any you know team with that amount of talent. I, I don't know if they're going to be as good, but it could be something like the Cowboys. The Cowboys were like this too back in the nineties. Yeah, but, but they, they were all drafted in there, right? Where most of the yeah, they talent. all kind of came yeah, together exactly. right at the same time. They come in as kids. A big, yeah, and it's a big difference. They Jim, but they also had a, an experienced coach too, yeah. correct? Jimmy Johnson. So and this coach is I a think rookie. That's the big difference. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah that's the that's the big question mark. I think. <laughs> exactly. Um, as we move along, uh, Donovan McNabb. Uh, he 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 proclaiming that he got better numbers than Troy Aikman, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> How do y'all feel about that, man? Argument has been going on I, 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 for a while now um, about it. it. Always happens to guys that are um, the, the in my in my opinion anyway that are border, borderline guys. 
Um, he has good numbers, uh, um, but I can't. But in his career, you know, he doesn't have the these performances where you could be like, you remember that time. You know, yep. he, or, or you know, or something like that, or that run to a Super Bowl where you're like, you remember that time? He was always just a good guy. He was just a good player. He was never know? the guy that carried the Eagles, or even throughout all those good years, he wasn't the guy that carried them. You know, it was always another player that did it. Correct. It was, I think it was the defense, I, right? You know, yeah. I think what what would have made Donovan McNabb a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, I think if him and To won that Super Bowl against New yes. England, I yep. think I think that would have put, mm. put it in question because remind you both of the them top, yes, sure. both of them was a was a hell of a duo. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and, and oh, yeah. we can't deny that. Um and I just felt like with that game against New England, they definitely had a shot at, at winning winning that Super Bowl. If they would have beat New England in that Super Bowl, I think it would have been talked about Donovan McNabb definitely would have been the name because he was a Super Bowl champion. And you beating the best coach and the and quarterback in the league, which is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Right. Yeah, you're right. Like, like, like you just said, Davin. I think, I think that's what he was missing. He was missing that one performance or that one run that you like point out. Almost every Hall of Famer has. Now there are Hall of Fame guys that, because the argument has always been that there's the Hall of Fame guys that didn't win championships per se, right? Right. But, but everybody always They're like great. everybody <laughs> brings up like Dan Marino. But you have right. to, you have to understand Dan I mean, Marino. I mean, he's, he's one of the a legend. Exactly. Like you could <laughs> performance after performance after performance, you could re- recall over and over again about reasons why Dan Marino stands out. There's a reason why people remember his name, not only because he didn't win a championship, it's because of the legendary performances over the years. McNabb has right. never been on that level. Exactly. And if it you wasn't for T.O., right? And if it wasn't for yeah. T.O., that we would have we would have heard Donovan McNabb like that, but we would have never heard it. We would have never heard it. <laughs> Think of it this way. You know you know a guy that you could say the Super Bowl put him over the top was Eli Manning. He's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame. Just because he won two. Those, yeah. Right. He beat, well, he beat the Patriots. If off, of off of his resume, he's not going in. Nope. No. No. <laughs> I'm leading the league with interceptions a couple years. Right. Hey. But hey. two Super Bowl, two Super Bowl MVPs, no less. Will exactly. definitely, and he also carried that team. Yes. The playoffs yes. Yeah. Those runs. Those so, runs were, rid- were ridiculous. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I mean, they, wasn't they the last team in the NFC those two years too? Yeah, wasn't they, like they were nine and seven one. Oh, they yeah, were they nine and seven road. one time. Most yeah. Of the time they had to do it on the road. Yep. The playoffs. Mm. So you know what? That's that's that's, that's what you, you talk about. That a, a guy carrying a team, or what you're saying? Did you see that play? Did you see that guy? I mean, mm-hmm. think about the, that cold game in Green Bay. That they had to beat Brett Favre for the first yeah. time. There you go. Ever right? Ooh, Green yeah. Bay. So, so you could recall. Yeah, yeah you could you could recall. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a big Eli Manning fan at all, but I you gotta give the guy what he has. You know, I'm I'm I I could even go as far as saying probably the defense did a lot of what the work that you know that he did you know um, um, for for them on those runs. But I could remember times that you just could call you could recall with any football fan and say, listen, you remember when Eli Manning did this and you remember when he, you know, because he had one or two or three performances that, just think you know, of the Super Bowls. will go, will go down, it will be legendary. Seriously. Think of the two mm. Super Bowls, those two plays, right? The one that... Yeah, the uh, one to Tyree, um, Tyree. Yeah, helmet. David Tyree. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and then the other one to throw down the line. Throw okay, down so Manny, like Manningham. That. Right. Yeah. So Ridiculous. those two plays won them the Super Bowls. Yep. There yeah. You know? And he's going to be a goddamn Hall of Famer because he was right. able to, to take New England out of that uh, undefeated streak, undefeated oh, record. Right. Exactly. Also that so so also it makes a big team. difference. And that's what that's what makes it uh, uh, hard and hard enough for you, Mr. McNabb, to say, well, I'm a Hall of Famer. But without <laughs> Terrell Owens, you really haven't, you know, put enough. Um, did enough work to to actually be in the Hall of Fame, so is is that's very that's very tough. You and Terrell Owens had a hell of a on those, run on those borderline players, whether it's him or anybody else. It, you you either you know you take into account Super Bowls or you take into account did you see that play? Did you see or did he that have this incredible year? Or yeah, year? yep. Those yep. are the, you know Oof. was he? I always go back to even with baseball or any sport. I was he the best player? Yeah. During his time. Yeah. I don't think Manning was. I mean, uh, McNabb was. No. He was, you know, Correct. maybe top 10, no. but he wasn't a top five player. He, he mean, wasn't top five. No, and neither no. is Manning. But Manning with his Super Bowls, those two Super Bowls. Of course. That puts him <laughs> over the top. So that's with a lot of these guys. Moon, you could, Warren Moon, he's in the Hall of Fame. He never came close to a, uh, yeah, a Super but, Bowl. But, but you remember I mean, the performances? Was, I mean. Right. He was always a top five quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, man, <laughs> that, that's well, Dan Fouts, too. That's another guy. Yeah. You could name them, example. then just name the guys that you're like, oh, you know, they're borderline. And the reason why they're not borderline and they're in is because they have this one, one moment or a few moments that you could recall instantly. Right. With McNabb, you practically have to go Google, you know, to try to remember yeah. times where he really played well. And, and, and even then, I, what I remember about McNabb more than anything was that he was so inconsistent. He was right, better exactly. of a downhill, like he was a down, he was a like a, a, a throw of 40 yard bomb guy. And, mm-hmm. and then, and then he would like, he can't complete the pass to, for 10 yards. You know, he Correct. wasn't an accurate guy. He was never that accurate. What he would do was that he had a hell of an arm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. about, you know, that's and, what I remember anyway. And you know what messed up his also messed up his resume was going to the Redskins, because because where yeah, where did, did you see that. a good yeah where Woo. was the good performance where was the Eagles McNabb in in the in the Washington McNabb no, no you don't nothing. see nothing no nothing. comparison at all and I think that really messed up his resume as well so yeah mm-hmm. um so as we move along uh we talk about Mr Ezekiel Elliott uh he got detained. Um, I guess he got to a situation with his girlfriend, uh, and basically they, I guess after the cameras rolled off, they, they let him, they like unhandcuffed him, but Jerry Jones said he's not going to discipline him. Um, how do y'all feel about that? <laughs> is that going to affect his payday? Basically, is it going to affect his big payday or I think not if, really? I, I think if he has another, if he keeps having these minor incidences, they're going to pile up eventually because he's already had a couple of problems already before this. So if he continues, yeah, I think it'll definitely affect his payday. You know, I don't care how good he is, but correct. Um, but in the NFL, you know, a lot of these things get swept under the rug, you know, and it's mm. no big deal. It's, you know, eh, it's all right. Or, you know, like you said, and Jerry Jones, forget it. He's, he loves these type of players. You know what I mean? He signs <laughs> these guys all the time anyway. He does, so. he does have a history of troubled players. Uh, yeah. Um, so he'll be having signing players around. <laughs> Um, but you know, yeah, he's. I mean, if he stops, 
you know, it will be no big deal. But obviously these things keep propping up, popping up. And, I, you know, so we'll see. I think, I think, I think it, it, in any contract negotiation, when it comes to a team paying you a, a, a ridiculous sum of money to play a game, uh, they will use any leverage they have to give you as little money as possible. Mm-hmm. You you understand me? I I I don't mm-hmm. see. This is like this is regular. This regular. You know this is a um, you know this is the mo for um for for NFL teams. They 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 you they will use your bad situations against you. You know they'll say, listen, I would I would have given you twenty mil, but I'm not sure if you're gonna behave yourself for the next couple of years. You might give me a headache. I end up having to clean. So for that, I'm gonna cut five million off it. I'll give you fifteen a year instead. You know, um, right. um, and, and that's what it's piling up to be at the end of the day. Where I, I totally agree with you, Chris. Um, I mean, with with them, with uh, uh, with uh, um, uh, the Cowboys. You know, with the Cowboys, things are always different. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you never know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. On the, they always operate differently from most NFL teams, so you, they might co- cover him that much, and they don't care. And like you said, Jerry Jones might be like, "That's my boy," and still pay him. But I think, like you said, I think if he keeps piling up, yeah, there's a possibility he's jeopardizing money that that he might Not- off the table. Right, and you know the biggest problem is that he already went through a six-game suspension for, for for something you know something in particular. Um, I I think he I think you know if you want your big payday, you gotta you know just like we always say, you gotta do you know you gotta do things off the field that you're doing on the field, you know, to not get yourself in trouble. And um and I think he needs to you know if you want your big payday, you better calm down. Um, but also you know just like we also say um. Running backs don't last that long. There uh, you go. They lucky they get thirty years old. Right, so, <laughs> so this is so this is would be the only big payday that Zeke is getting. Um, so if I was him, I would you know calm 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 it down a little bit. Um, you know, play some players be getting away with this stuff, but at the same time, you know, uh, we know Zeke, we know not Zeke, um, we know Dak and. Cooper gonna get big paydays, so um, yeah, Zeke. You, I think you need to calm yourself down if you want the same thing. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so as we move along, uh, Nick Bosa injury. He suffered a grade one hamstring. Um, he suffered a grade one hamstring strain. Um, he'll be getting treatment for the next three weeks. Uh, yeah. As as we get into him, um, we know that he got recent recent you know history with this with this hamstring injury. Um, would that is is that a bad thing? I think for San Francisco, they got to be a little bit concerned because he came in, you know, drafted. He was um, he had an injury history. So, like you said, he's got the the hamstring injury, and I think the shoulder too, right? I think that's Was what he had before right. in college. Yeah, yeah. So I think this so. guy's had injury. He's got an injury history, so that's it's it's not a good start, that's for sure. And San Francisco was, you know, banking on him and uh, Ruben Forster being done for the year too. That's not going to help this team at all. I mean, this is a team that I mean I thought was going to be pretty good this year, as long as uh, Jimmy uh, Garoppolo could uh, could stay healthy, you know. Yeah, Foster, but, um, Foster is on the Redskins now. Redskins, but, oh, yeah. yeah. I was getting ready. Yeah, we was going to talk about that. Yeah, it's okay. No, no. you know what? With, with Bozer being injured, it's not a good start for San Francisco. But 
um, we'll see. I, I get back to being healthy. I think I I think the process I think I think the process and I and I I've, I've seen that said many places before that the the process they put those kids through uh, just before get entering into um, OTAs is kind of uh, it's it's not really a, 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 a good thing for them. Um, you come out you you were prepared physically to play football at, when you were you were playing in college and you go to preparing for the combine you have a long break before you start playing football again. And I think the way they, 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 their coaches, uh, I think the way they immerse them into football after they've been out for that long, um, I think it, it kind of, con- uh, you know, I think the reason why there's so much soft tissue injuries early in the season, especially in OTAs with all those, uh, especially with those rookies and stuff. Um, um, for him, for him personally, because um, for him personally, I think if again it's something that if it if it continues it could really uh, uh, derail a career that could be like really spectacular in the NFL. But um, but on until until it becomes something more serious, I don't I I wouldn't worry I wouldn't uh, you know really worry too much, worry too much mm-hmm. about it. Um, if it was something more if it was more like a a, a tear or something like that, then I'd be like yeah you know that would be crazy. But um, but I think even our guy. Um, our guy William um, Quinnen got 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 a, a calf strain or something like that too. So, um, mm. yeah. So so I mean, these that, can linger though. That's the bad thing. Hand yeah. And yeah. Calves, they can soft, linger. You yeah. Know? Soft tissue injuries. Uh, yeah. They're very nagging. They're nagging injuries. They they if they they kind of linger. They could anyway if they're not treated right. So I'm hoping that that everything goes well for both of them, you know, the young men that are just trying to start The only start difference, a career. I think, with Bozer, you're talking about a guy who's had a career of, yeah. of injuries, you know, in college. And you know, would, had this, yeah. had this, and... Quinnen, so. Quinnen was, I've never heard Quinnen being the injury guy, so... Right. So that's... Yeah, a, yeah, I think, think, not really worried about. <laughs> yeah, I think but he, I agree. I think yeah. it's minor, though. Yes. I think it's minor. It it's not It's not serious. It's not serious for now. We're going to say for now, unless we see something in preseason that we're yes. like, oh, there you go. Was, yeah, no, you know what? If if it was like with, with uh, Quinnen, I'm, I'm not concerned because, like you said, he's not a guy that, that's been hurt. Right. But mm-hmm. with Bozer, you know, these injuries, they're piling up little, you know, every year. Yes. Yeah, it's this, it's that, little. it's this. You know, and and now he's going to be in the NFL playing a 16 game season, not playing in college in a 12 game season or 13 game season, whatever it is. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a big difference. Correct. It is. And uh, speaking of just speaking of moving Foster, uh, Chris, what you were saying, um, yeah, he did uh, tear his ACL up. On his very first rep in OTAs, uh, <laughs> ooh, the Redskins made some 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 moves. Uh, they released Zach Brown. Um, the previous starter at the position with Visions uh, pairing Foster with Sean um, Dion, Dion Hamilton, the second-year pro. So um, how will the oh, – Jesus, I, I, I don't know why we get into this subject, but how the Redskins <laughs> going to – how the Redskins going to uh, – I guess how how, how basically they going to uh, do – how basically how they going to get better at I, – I guess who, who they going to – is they going to sign somebody or is they going to – Try to find somebody to replace Foster because we know Foster's done for the year, right? And yeah, you know I think you know the first. Just real quick, you, you can get into Foster for a second, but the one guy who's saying, "See, I told you so," is Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is like, "See, this is why I don't show up for these." Yeah, 
Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 Stuff like this can't happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, this is this is the thing. This is the thing they. I mean, when when Chris, what would you say when 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 they used to have these tour days back in the day? Were there more injuries or less injuries? I don't think so. I I think I think there's more injuries now than there were before. And this is my question. Think, yeah, yeah. And this is what mm. it was. It was like the subject we were talking about before. I understand why that they're doing this because of, because they're trying to take into account player safety. But to me, player safety, if you're trying to get rid of, head, you know, head-to-head, head-to-head collisions and stuff like that, it's fine. But when you're tr- starting to take away practice time, things like that start building up. The players are not at the peak of their body. Their body's not at peak condition. So things like that will start happening. You know, um, uh, I think I think playing ball, you need to be ultra physical and, you know, and have a, a higher end um, um, training regiment than what they're doing right now. I think I, I think that's I think that's the issue. In my opinion, anyway, I'm not a doctor or anything. It just no, seems I, to me it just seems to me they need they need more practice. I Correct. Listen, I agree. I, I've talked a lot about this with, with other, you know, my other friends, too. We talk about this a lot that getting rid of the two-a-days and all that. And this is what the players wanted. You know, they, yeah. they wanted less practice time and, and all that. But it definitely affects the the play on the field and it also affects, you know, injuries as well. So I agree. It's yeah. something that I don't think they're ever going to give back. I mean, unless, no. Yeah, I don't think mm. it, but yeah. maybe they should, but I don't think they will anytime soon. If they, if they <laughs> will, if they're giving it up, they got to get something in return. Trust me. Right. Trust me. I don't know they, what. Yeah, they, you know, that. they could use it as leverage for something else. Who knows? But that's right. down the road. Correct. Exactly. Correct. Anything is possible <laughs> at this yeah. point. Yep. <laughs> everything is changing from rules to everything. So anything is possible at this point. No, just like no, don't uh, don't rule out nothing. <laughs> yep. Um. So as we move along, uh, Jason Witten, uh, I know uh, the Cowboys coach said uh, he was stunned by his uh. His uh, performance that uh, basically, I guess, his uh, his physical testing was uh, better was bettered or matched by it. But the Cowboys are stunned by the way how Jason Jason Witten is performing in OTAs, and they said he has a loss of step. Was that was that a good thing that he missed out for uh, for a year? <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's a good thing that he missed out for the year. I I thought hey. maybe he thought he was done, and you know what he he figures he missed the, the game too much and he wanted to get back into it he's still in great shape you know and he didn't exactly uh knock it out of the park being a, an announcer <laughs> like his boy Tony yeah. Romo did so yeah you know what why not go no, back I definitely to what you agree. Best, you know I I question for me right um if if you guys remember how he looked his final season right tell me again yeah. why the, all of a sudden, before the season starts, all these, all these—it always happens. They always have these numbers flying around. Teams talking highly about their players and saying, "Oh, you should see how he hasn't missed a step. You should see it. He's moving around so quickly." Listen to me, man. Missed a step from his last season. I think. <laughs> I right? think Not from from exactly. <laughs> so for two years. So so <laughs> this is what my my question. My thing is this, right? Until I see Jason Witten that used to fake out safeties out of their shoes on the field. I, I, I think, I think this is BS. I think, I think at the end of the day, 
um, the one thing Jason Witten is, is a very knowledgeable senior football player. <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, he will be able to diagnose and read passes and find places to sit and get himself open like he has because he understands football. Physically, that's a different thing, man. Football, you know, at that age, taking a year off of football and being able to come back. Oh, that'll catch I, up. I mean, yeah. But I think he'll still I mean, be. Come on, man. You, you're asking way too much of a guy. If he can yeah. stay healthy, I think he'll still be exactly what you're saying. He'll be a good red zone target like he always been, you know. So right. he'll, you know, he'll get his catches. He'll get his, you know, if he stays healthy, he'll, he'll get to 70, 80 catches, I think. But you but, know, but he's not gonna be a game changer. No, no, no he's not no. that anymore. But he hasn't been one for the last few years anyway. <coughs> so I, I don't. That think is he true. Has. Exactly. I think he'll go back to what he was. You know, not their but, number one target or two target. Be their number three or four target. And you know, he'll he'll still get his catches. He just won't. I have, mean, you know. The, yeah, the Cowboys needed needed help anyway. You know, Cooper. End, yeah. Coop, Cooper can't do it by himself. You know, with the additions of Randall and Cobb and Waiting coming back. Weak. Yeah. Yes. So um, I feel like it was it was it still was a good move. Like will you, will you, will we see yeah, the yeah, old yeah. Jason Witten? No. Will we will we see at least a decent performer? Yes. You know that basically will basically Dak will have more more choices in the, in the red zone than you know than just two people. <laughs> um, I agree. Yeah. So I I think I think it'll it'll work out. But yeah, I agree with you, Charmin. It's a whole bunch of bull crap until we see what's going on. Um. As we move along, uh, the NFL spring owners, they had a meeting about pass interference rules, uh, changed the coach, coaches' challenges, and now calls from the end of halves and end of overtime. Uh, how how does mess. that affect? Yes. <laughs> how, how, does, how does that affect the NFL? <laughs> I didn't like it, man. I didn't like it when they first announced it, that they were going to use the replays for the uh, pass interference call. So whatever they add or subtract, I think, is a mess. So. Yeah. I'm against all of it. So you could, Charmin, you could answer this. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I think what they did, what they did was they took, uh, they took off um, the, um, they took off the calls for the um, pass interference. And now what they're doing is that they're going to make it, make the, um, make the reviewable by coaches challenge or uh, um, by a non-call. Like if there was a call, supposed to be made and and it was egregious enough like uh i.e new england uh i mean um the rams and new orleans Orleans, you know that that you that 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 if this ever happens again they could actually call instant replay now so that's what plays that so it's not going to be on plays that were called as an appearance right because they they yeah they tweaked it they they tweaked it because come on man you know after discussing that I think they came to I mean it just only makes sense there's too many things that could go wrong with that there is mm-hmm. there is I don't think they want to get involved in uh, um, um, trying to um, make a call when when there's a jump ball when you know I think they're trying to let the players play on in a, in a jump ball no fall fouls nothing let let the more physical guy who could get the ball get the ball you know mm. some some something about some things about football you not take out and right. I think uh, I think a hail mary is something that's you should not touch. Leave it leave it exactly how it is. You know, right. I don't think I don't think it is. The the other things they changed about the rules was that now they took they took out the Oklahoma drill and OTAs and stuff. All that running into each other head first and stuff like that. All those 
they have in OTAs and, and practice and stuff, they, it's banned from the NFL now. So, so there you go. So I, I guess. No. Um, and, they, and, and, nah, go right ahead, Sam. Finish. And I think, and I think the other thing was something about uh, fewer foot, uh, fewer Super Bowl commercials, uh, in the so fewer commercials in the Super Bowl was another thing that they said that they will do now. So those are, yeah. I think, those were the yes. things that they took out of, uh, um, that came out of the uh, spring meetings. I mean, I like I like the few uh, Super Bowl commercials because you know they take five minutes for that, and then you're like, God, like usually <laughs> yeah, commercials is like twenty to thirty seconds. They just do a whole five minutes, and then you know you get sick and tired. You get sick and tired already. Like, come on, yep. I, I, I I could agree with that. Starts at six thirty. Imagine it started at eight o'clock or eight thirty. Like, Lord have before. mercy. Yep. But again, yeah. you have to be on till after midnight. Yeah. Right. True. With all the and commercials the- and stuff. And uh, the last thing was uh, they got rid of the uh, single headers uh, football games, meaning they're giving every market three NFL games. Um, so less I mean, blackouts. Yeah. Yeah, that works. That's good. Uh, I used to hate the blackouts, too. Whoa, Jesus. <laughs> but they, they still I'm, got I'm just the saying. blackouts, though, right? How's that? They still got blackouts, though, right? Uh, I, think that, I think that's what this move is to minimize it because they have it now. I think this move is to minimize it to the point where, where it really doesn't happen anymore. That's what they're trying Correct. to win. No anyway. matter what, like for us, like in New York, we're always going to get the Jet game and the Giant game, but if the game is at, whichever one's at home, we're not going to get the, the doubleheader against it, I think. Well, right? that's right? well, that's what they're trying yeah. to do. What they're trying to do is to eliminate that. That way you could get both the Jets and Giants, no matter what. That, that's what right. that, 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 that single header is. Yeah, yeah. Instead of a single game, which is either the Jets or the Giants, because of what you'll you just said, both. you'll get both. Right, but I think when the, but I think when one of them is home, they usually they usually don't play at the same time anyway. Exactly. Jets and Giants, they try to put them one at one and one at four thirty, whatever. Right. But I think the like say if the Jets are on at one o'clock and they're home, I don't think. Um, yeah, usually the Giants play at four o'clock or right. eight yeah. o'clock. Right. Right. I just don't think we'll get the doubleheader with with our with the New York team at home. I right. Like yeah. If the Jets are on at one o'clock and they're home. I don't think you'll get another 1 o'clock game at 1 o'clock. Right. I think what they need to do better is if the team is getting blown out by, say, 21 points and it's the third quarter and, right, you know, over. or the fourth quarter, like, you could let us switch over for a while, you know. I think, NBC, I think NBC had been doing that pretty well. I think sometime last season, a few times last season, uh, there were games on NBC that they switched over yeah, to they, other games because of uh, right. the other team was getting blown out. Can't remember well, what the I, games were though. I have to go back and do my well, research. That's the best thing that they have is the um, the what do you call it? The the flex games. Yeah. Where, where they can flex out the games on NBC. I think yes. that's awesome. They, they should yeah. start there from like week one on. You know, like. But I can understand why they they wait till a few weeks in to make sure the team's good or bad or whatever. And, but that's yeah. the best thing that they they ever do is the flex. Yeah. Sure. yeah. That's 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 yeah that's that is a good thing. Yep. Um. So we're gonna get to a, a quick, quick, quick little break. Um, for one, we want to say, uh, pass, uh, um, rest in rest in peace to uh, Bart Scar. Um, Bart Bart Scar, yes, sir. Yeah, uh, passed away at eighty-five. Um, uh, Green Bay Packers, great player. Um, want to say that for one. Uh, for two, make sure y'all following us on Twitter. 
um, Jets Fans Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Yes, we made an Instagram account. NY Jets Fans Podcast. Again, Instagram account is NY Jets Fans Podcast. So uh, we're going to go to a quick, quick little break. And when we come right back, we're going to have Connor Rogers here with us as he break down some Jets news for us and as we ask him some questions. So stay, stay right tuned. All right, guys, uh, welcome to a, a special episode of uh, uh, Wow, uh, um, New York Jets fans, <laughs> NY Jets fans, <laughs> and I'm, I'm so much of a big fan, uh, NY Jets fans uh, episode with uh, with a special guest, uh, Connor J. Rogers of, of Stick to Football, a Bleacher Report. Uh, sir, uh, thank you very much for being with us today. Um, my first question is uh, about the whole GM thing, of course. You know, unless you were on the rock, any Jets fan would know that uh, this stuff is going on. Uh, what, from your from your view, man? What, what, what's your what? What do you think about all what's going on? Well, first off, thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, it's good to catch up here. And yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's been crazy. It's an unorthodox time to be looking for a GM. I think the owner Christopher Johnson's been very honest about that. That. This is an interesting time because there's no one else in the, in the NFL currently looking to replace their front office or the heads of their front office. So they feel they're equipped to go get the candidate that they want. I, I was still shocked by the move because as much as I knew the hire of the head coach was mostly made by ownership with Christopher Johnson, it felt like that they were willing to ride this thing out with Mike McCagnin because for all his flaws and the fact that he really struggled early on, I actually thought he started to get a lot better. So it's interesting to see someone get the time to improve, kind of take advantage of it. I mean, if Sam Darnold is truly the guy we all believe he is and these free agents hit and a draft pick like, you know, a Ja'Kai Polite or obviously Jamal Adams has been a star. I know they've struggled in the later rounds. You think that that improvement, especially that pick like Chris Herndon, but that improvement would buy him some more time. But clearly Adam Gase was not a fan. And clearly Adam Gase, who was the, the owner's hire, got in the owner's ear and said, hey, man, I need my guy to make this work, and and he he won out in the end. Yeah, um, I, it's kind of it's kind of crazy that you said that, um, because I I kind of agree that he started getting better. But what do you make of those uh, leaks that happened around the same time that he got fired about him being kind of a being a, a alienated from the from the organization because of the way he handled a lot of the. Um, a lot of the draft process where he would lock himself in a room where I heard something like that, where he let uh, uh, Heimerdinger kind of handle more of the GM stuff. What do you, what do you make of that stuff? It is fascinating. I think this was always very apparent too with press conferences, interviews, and, and just the, you know, in general public appearances that Mike McCagnin is not necessarily a very assertive human being. And Adam Gase is, it really is opposites in that case. And I think, Mike McCagnin was a guy that was labeled as indecisive at times. I, I do know other teams that have tried negotiating with him in the past. The multiple teams I've talked to, you know, have had issues in certain areas of getting an answer on whether it's trades, whether it's draft day trades, whether it's, you know, moving players and moving picks where there was times where he just took a while to get back to teams or where he bailed on things they thought they had agreed on. And 
I wow. think Mike McCagnan's not a bad guy, and I don't think he's necessarily – he's definitely not clueless. He, nobody that gets to this job often is. But I think it, it's different when you're sitting in that GM chair, right? It's like – it really is – it's like the iron throne of football where then all of a sudden everything <laughs> looks your way, and you're sitting there, and everyone wants to know what you think in every situation. And you got to be a confident, assertive person. You can't sit on the fence because – once you sit on the fence, you're already doomed. And I think Mike McCagnan was guilty of really sitting on the fence at times. The best player available approach is great, but there was times where the team didn't address a lot of needs in favor of that, and I think it's cost them at times. So it's mm. interesting to me. Um, I really am fascinated by who they hire, which I'm sure we'll get into. And Adam Gase is a guy that he knows exactly the type of people he needs around him. I think he needs people that are – not necessarily exactly like him, but are exactly like him in a way they will push back and speak up and speak their mind and take control. And that was never going to be Mike McCagnin at the end of all of this. And that's why he is, uh, he's sitting on the unemployment line right now. Agreed. Agreed. David. Oh yeah. Um, so <laughs> my question is, is, uh, basically about the GM. Um, I know they have requested Joe Douglas, uh, champ Kelly and two, I think two other people. Um, they saying Joe Joe Douglas is, I guess, the best candidate. Um, is that is that very true, or or is they just being patient and trying to wait until they do all the interviews to figure out which guy they're gonna hire? I think Douglas is the guy with the most impressive resume that hasn't really sat in the GM chair yet. Now, now we can go through all these guys, but Douglas, who is. I think the favorite, or he's at least the Jets' favorite. I don't know if he's the favorite to get the job because I don't know if he wants the job. But right. there's a lot of aspects that go into getting him. Obviously, a long-term deal because he wants security. When you're the GM coming in after the coach, you're going to make sure you get more security than the coach has in case the coach struggles and you can fire him and, and find your own guy. That's number one on the board here. Number two, it costs right. a lot of money. Anyone that gets a GM job in football uh, has earned their way to getting a lot of money. And Joe Douglas, out of anyone, has leverage that because number one he makes a lot of money in philadelphia number two he runs the player evaluation process in the draft room for philadelphia and, and things are going quite well there where leaving that job no matter what role it is is a risk so you need to overpay to mitigate True. that risk and, and number three is full control adam gase is somebody that has come into the jets organization and pretty much gotten his way or or cried out loud when he didn't and, and if you're the gm adam gase is a good offensive football coach and i think he'll be good for sam Darnold, but you need to make sure you have more power where you're making the right player decisions on the roster for everybody, not Adam Gase, because this is Greg Williams' defense, and Greg Williams should have a say in what players they add to that defense, which I know he Very has true. so far. And Adam Gase is going to be hands-off on that defense. So special teams, Brant Boyer, he's one of the you know lone survivors from last year, and he did a damn good job last year. There's a reason he's still here. Brant Boyer <laughs> yeah. deserves to get players that he needs, and – we saw that in this draft. I mean, Blake Cashman, I know a lot of people like him at linebacker. Blake Cashman was a special teams selection at this point. Maybe he could develop into a guy. But, but you know what I mean? These are times where you're working together as a unit, and you need to find a guy that can come in and, and listen to everyone and have the decisions to set up everyone for success. I'm not saying Mike McCagney didn't always do that, but I'm saying Adam Gase is not going to be that guy because he has to coach the football team and develop a young quarterback that a lot of people believe could be a star. So, that's why Joe Douglas is in this spot to have so much power, which ultimately I think he will get unless the Eagles can convince him to stay. When you look at the other guys real quick, Champ Kelly has a ton of, ton of experience in the, uh, the pro personnel aspect. I, I don't know his college experience, but I know he does the free agency evaluations, does the trade evaluations. He does the, the advance, which is week to week looking ahead at who your opponent is. 
And that's wow. important stuff. And the Bears have done a really yep. nice job in that area over the years where Champ Kelly deserves to be in this position to at least start getting interviews. I know he's an assistant director, but at the end of the day, he's only going to move up in this world when you are putting together that kind of resume on the pro side of things. I think the question mark with him is the college side of things. Uh, one really interesting name that they submitted who has denied them twice now is George Payton from Minnesota. I mean, uh, right. An interesting one here, though. That's I'll say crazy. this. He's denied them twice. If there was ever a time to go get him, and I'm not putting the now. percentage more than 15, 20, but yeah, it would be now because Minnesota is in a weird spot where they gave Kirk Cousins all this money. I still don't think they're a better team than Chicago or Green Bay right now. If you're looking to jump ship, and he's getting a promotion, let's be real here. This would, <laughs> I would, if I was George Payton, mm. I would at least listen this time. That's my point in all of this. Mm. I told, I totally agree with the Payton, the the Payton thing. I, I I didn't even know about the 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 fact that he denied them, but his resume speaks for itself. I think I definitely would go after him. Um, uh, Chris, um, mm. you had any questions? Yeah, uh, you know, outside of those four names that that we've heard so far. Are there any other names that we might hear, or are these the four we're going to hear? And who out of the four, or anyone else, you think is the best? So these are the four. Yeah, these are the four they've submitted for. And I think here's the interesting thing: it's May. No one else is looking for a GM. You would think they're going to get one of their first four that they submit for, and, and I think they will stop there. Now, I'm curious if some of the interviews go bad, which these four should interview well. There's really bright guys that all excel in different areas then maybe you add to the list to, to hear guys out or hear what they're doing with their prospective team i think the I, you guys know i have a bias towards college scouting it's literally what i do at bleacher report <laughs> yeah I, I definitely. Love, i'm a huge joe douglas fan and, and it doesn't just have to do with him specifically in his role it has to do with what he brings there's a lot of guys that he's worked with in philadelphia baltimore across the nfl that will come with him if he gets this job that would round out a very impressive scouting department and I think scouting in the NFL is not a one-man show. You can't travel the country every single day and look at every single player. You need good scouts, and Joe Douglas brings that. I'm excited yep. about seeing Champ Kelly get a chance at doing more than just the pro side. But being good at the pro side is very important. So he would be an interesting candidate to me. Joe Douglas is far and away my favorite. I think Peyton would be very, very successful here just because he's built a winning roster in Minnesota that's just – kind of caught some bad luck at times and I don't really love the Kirk Cousins decision, but it is what it is. And we'll see if he can improve. And obviously the, you know, from Seattle with Fitterer, Seattle has had a lot of good scouts come through there. I'm curious how much, once again, how many employees he would be able to bring over. But at the end of the day, I think, I think the most exciting pick and a guy that's earned this is Joe Douglas. There you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, overlooking all this to me is the fact that I think every Jets fan knows, that the um, that the looming over all this is the fact that it, it seems like the Johnsons always make a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, <laughs> yes. Things 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 that yeah. are things that are supposed mm -hmm. to be very simple, they kind of mess up. Um, what is your view on their view of uh, of um, the way they run their the Jets organization? Uh, well, not great. I mean, I've been following it for a long time, <laughs> and it seems like a lot of the issues come back to Woody Johnson. So when it comes down to it, for me, it's you know, it's disappointing that sometimes things are dysfunctional. I think Chris Johnson was excited about this opportunity when Woody left him in charge. And I think he's overwhelmed at times. I really do that. I mean, Adam Gase was not my choice for a hire. And 
I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not very thrilled about the early returns. I will wait and see <laughs> uh, see what happens on the field before I judge because I think he'll be good for Sam Darnold. But I, I loved Todd Munkin. Uh, I really thought Matt Rule can be a great CEO of a franchise. And they went with a guy in Adam Gase that, for as good as he is as an offensive guy, I, I don't know if he learned from his problems in Miami. And at the end of the day, that whether it works or not, Chris Johnson is the guy that's getting all the good or bad blame. And once again, yeah, once mm. again with him, like, I don't know. I think this job would have been more attractive to a GM that had $100 million to spend on the table, the third overall pick, not just Sam Darnold and all the other decisions have been made. Although I still think they can get a good candidate, but they'll look really, really foolish if they don't. So it, my biggest problem with the, the Johnson family is that they are not football people. Yet they insist on making football decisions. Making football decisions, yes, sir. And, and it, right. that never works. Look at Dan Snyder in Washington. It, it oh, never, oh ever works. Oh, and, Jesus. and the opposite <laughs> spectrum is Robert Kraft, for all the issues that he's had recently, he puts people in charge and stays out of football decisions. Bill Belichick makes the football decisions yep. there. and He's been making them before he won all those Super Bowls. That's important to note. It's not like he yep. just earned that. So if Christopher Johnson takes away anything from this process – Step aside for a minute. Really, step aside. You can, you know, have a relationship in the locker room. I think it's important for players to see that. But you don't need to make personnel and all these hiring decisions all the time, all these firing decisions all the time. I think at the end of the day, you can learn a lot from not doing things at times. I, to- right. I, to- I, I totally agree with that, now, Rod, man. Pretty good. And, and you know what? And I'm sorry. With, and with the ownership, it might change, actually, in another year with, uh, yes. Coming back, oh, uh, it could change in the, in that you know, in the political side, that could also change too. And he comes, and now that that also is a big question for the GM taking the job. It's like, who's going to be my boss? Is it going to be Christopher Johnson? Is it going to be Woody Johnson in another year or so? <laughs> and so I'll tell you right, gonna, yeah, that's another. I'll tell you right now, the candidates are already and their agents are advising them on that, and that's why whoever gets hired is going to get a lot of years and a lot of money because they're nervous that Woody Johnson will come mm. back. And, and, and then kind throw of, everything out. Yeah, kick aside, yeah, kick aside, little brother, and say this is my football franchise, and I don't know these guys. I don't want these guys. I want my own guys, and everyone's fired again, which is classic Jets to just go and through he's no better. He's, he's no better than. Aye, aye, aye. That was a shot. Well, um, well I, I, I hope more. that doesn't happen, man. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, um, I do have one more question uh, with Adam Gaze and his uh, GM since he's the interim GM. Um, the moves that he made, especially Darren Lee for a, a six-round pick, was there was there not much more of an option other than that six-round pick? And also, uh, the moves that he made, is he just making them just to make them, or is he trying to do it because it's football-related? So I'll tell you this about Adam Gase. There's nothing he cares more about than the locker room. And almost an obsessive way. And I think, that's, I think it's good to care about your locker room because in all sports, that matters. But I also think there's a lot of Super Bowl teams that don't always win with choir boys. I mean, they really, that's, that's how it goes a lot of the time. So the, the good with Adam Gase is that he wants this, the chemistry to be more important than anything. I think the relationship he has at the podium with the media is a lot different than the relationships he has with the players. I know there was rumors in Miami, but there was a lot of guys there that also spoke highly of him. It just doesn't get reported as much in the media. So I think there's, you know, with Darren Lee, I, I think he unfortunately rubs a lot of people the wrong way. For as much mm. as he improved on the field as a coverage backer in sub-packages, which is what he's going to Kansas City for, I think if they held out and let some more injuries happen, they might have been able to get a fifth. 
Adam Gase was not just going to keep waiting. They had been talking about that trade for months. I mean, months on months on end with Darren Lee. And finally, we're just like, okay, we'll take the six to get him out of here. Um, and, and that's important. And that's, they didn't give C.J. Mosley $17 million a year just because he's a good football player. They gave it to him because they think he's the captain of this football team for the yep. next five years. I mean, they really yes, do. C.J. Mosley's still a young guy who is expected to play out much of that contract. Sam Darnold, for as great as he is, and he, he's a quiet leader, a lead-by-example kind of guy, he's not a rah-rah guy. And Jamal Adams is the rah-rah guy. C.J. Mosley might not be a rah-rah guy, but in that locker room, he's hmm. the one that everybody respects more than anyone. And that's why they paid him a lot of money, and that's why you see someone like Darren Lee being shipped out because they want to cut out you know, some players that are understandably immature. And then on the good – the one – I'll say this. The one really, really uh, hopeful thing is – I know Adam Gase was a fan of Ja'Kai Polite, and it shows that he is willing to give guys – I don't want to say second chances because I still don't believe Ja'Kai Polite did anything bad or wrong. He just was immature right. during the process. But it's good to see him have faith in guys that are just young and learning and giving them a chance. So maybe this is you know one area where Adam Gase is learning a lot from mistakes in Miami and trying to build the right team and the right locker room there. I, I hope so, man. That that's that's that would work out really good for us, man. Um, kind of on the same li- line. Um, my question: Um, do you think Williamson is gonna be moved to Will? Plain Will? Uh, um, I think I think kind of that's where he's he would be, right? Or he would he, um he would play middle with uh with um with CJ uh, Mosley with CJ Mosley. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what fronts Greg runs because I know there was a ton of argument over the four three and the three four, and then you kind of try to talk to everyone that's been around it, and they're, they're just saying they're going to be multiple. So they're going to throw all kinds of looks. I, I think in an obvious world where they claim they're sticking to the 3-4, it's pretty obvious to keep Avery and CJ inside. I know CJ's going to make literally every check, every call. And, and Avery's right. a very, very good player where it, it's nice to have this tandem. It'll be exciting to watch this tandem. I think he could play Will if you need him to. I, I'm curious to see mm. how they run those 4-3 looks. One – one thing that's interesting to me is, and now that Darren Lee is gone, because this is an area where he would excel as sub packages where you need cover backers. I think yes. Avery and CJ are high IQ players that know where to be, but on the rare times that they are split late, they don't necessarily have that makeup speed all the time because these guys in the backfield or in the slot are running like four fours nowadays. Yep, where not a lot true. of people mm. can keep up with them. So, you know, a healthy Marcus May and Jamal Adams would help that a lot because we've seen them move all over the place. And Greg Williams is going to get very creative. But I'm curious to see if Blake Cashman could get on the field for that exact reason. Can he be a sub-package backer? I mean, Mm, I think he can. He has the elite athleticism to do so. So they're going to move these guys around a lot. Ja'Kai Polite is going to get after the quarterback from the edge. Jordan Jenkins is going to be asked to set the edge as much as ever in Greg Williams' defense. So – I, I don't. It's weird to say this, but it, there's not a lot of guys with one position anymore. No, very true. Yeah, a lot of multiple. Uh, you could see that kind of in this draft of all those guys they um, getting drafted that were kind of tweeners, kind of uh, coming in, coming out. So um, definitely, um, that's something, right? Um, my next question is about the the corner situation with the with mm-hmm. the Jets. What do you think of, uh, about that? It's not pretty right now. It seems to be uh, it, it seems to be that one cloud over the team where you, you do have some concerns. Now, I, I'll say this. There's been a lot of teams across the NFL where I do this every summer, and I look at them and I go, God, they have no corners. And then you kind of forget that the pass rush was so good it doesn't even matter. So 
it's a roll of the dice. If Quentin Williams, Leonard Williams, and Ja'Kai Polite, and let's not forget Henry, Henry Anderson, if they get after the quarterback this year, I think we're going to forget how, you know, average at best the Tremaine Johnson, Daryl Roberts, uh, Brian Poole trio is. Now, I'm excited actually to see Derek Jones develop because I've kind of been a believer in him throughout this process, at least as yeah. an outside number two corner. I do think Brian Poole is an average slot, and I don't think they got average slot play with Buster Screen over these last couple of years, unfortunately. So it's going to be interesting to watch. I think, once again, I think it's a, it's a troubling spot right now on paper, but when the defense does its job and gets pressure up front and gets, you know, get, really gets uphill fast, then things change there. And, and also, what's your main Johnson are we going to get this year? I mean, his his best years have been under Greg Williams. And yes. I'll say this about Tremaine Johnson, who let's keep another thing in mind. His secondary coach, Denard Wilson, I talked about Brant Boyer being one of the lone survivors. Denard Wilson is another guy that yeah, is, is a survivor, and he's a believer in true because he was with him with the Rams. So if it's ever going to work right now, Greg Williams and Denard being there with, with Tremaine Johnson, Tremaine Johnson has a lot of pride too. I think he – is a little upset with how he was perceived last year in his play. I, I do think he'll come back and at least be an average corner, but what are they going to get out of the other spots? I, and I would actually, I, if I was the GM there and I don't think that day is ever going to come, but I would bring back, uh, <laughs> I would bring back Mo Claiborne on a cheap deal. I, I know he, he wasn't always great, but I'll tell you what, the fact that he's still a free agent out there, uh, he had a lot Sounds of, a lot. a lot of good games where he was at least average and it's not easy to be an average corner in the NFL anymore. And I'm a believer in depth. And this team has salary cap money to spend. Just sign a ton of guys at the corner spot. You're going to get injuries. You do every year. And I think that's just a no-brainer to me at this point. I I totally agree with that, man. Yeah. Uh, I, you got a question, Chris, or you or you want me to shoot it? Go yeah. right ahead, Chris. Yeah, no, one more. What about our much maligned offensive line? Uh, do you think that we improved enough that we could go with what we got? Or do you – you expect a, a couple more additions, like you're saying, with the cornerback. Yeah, it's interesting. Well. I, I don't know who's going to get cut on the interior spot. I think they're going to keep an eye on that market. I think it's a weird time of year where you're never going to necessarily add a star. Now, I know Adam Gase, uh, there's been all kinds of mixed reports. What I can tell you is Adam Gase did not prioritize the center position this offseason. They really do like Jonathan Harrison, no matter it what. sounds that way. Like, they, yeah. really, mm, they really yeah. do. And I'll tell you what, uh, it's not just the front office that likes him. The team loves him because he's one of the hardest working guys in the building. And that really stands out to a lot of people. I mean, nobody has worked harder this offseason, maybe Sam Darnold, but nobody has worked harder this offseason at one Jets drive than Jonathan Harrison right now. And I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but if he's average, that's enough because Adam Gase feels Mm -hmm. like the ball is going to come out of the quarterback's hands fast enough where they don't need to spend a ton on the interior with him. Now, I, I don't know if I necessarily always agree with that, but, the one X factor here is Kaleche Osemele, who uh, he's in the shape of his life right now. He stopped by the Bleacher Report office. He was on the Adam Lefko show. I mean, he's probably one of the most likable people in the NFL. If you he, listen to that he interview. He seems like fun, yes. Oh, he is. He's awesome, and he is a killer on the football field. So I, I actually am a believer that Kelvin Beecham and Brandon Shell aren't as bad as a lot of people say. They're just average, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of times when you're playing with a rookie quarterback, it, not everything is perfect on the protection calls. So that's something that should help this year. Le'Veon Bell is good in pass protection. Trevon Wesco that they drafted is a very, very good blocker. I, I don't think this will be a top offensive line in the league by any means, but I think with the coach in place there that understands offense and timing, 
the second year of Sam Darnold seeing the field a little better and a better pass protecting back with two tight ends and the addition, very important addition of Kaleche Assembly, I think this unit can at least be solid. Yeah, right. most definitely, man. Yeah. I um, I I really like I really like the way um I like uh, Osemele, man. I uh, nobody saw that coming, by the way. Um, that was that was not something that we saw. I think we went into the season, into the off season, thinking that we were done, and and that move really was probably uh would that, would you say that was a Mac uh <laughs> um a pat on the back? Uh, that that probably was one of his moves, right? Yeah, it was. They have a good relationship over there with Oakland, or you know, hopefully it continues now with the even with the change of the front office, but they had a good relationship there in Oakland. They really did. And I think um, when it comes down to it, that was one that was a no brainer to get done. The cost was minimal. They really just took on a salary cap besides the late pick. And uh, with Osemele, he was just hurt last year, but the years before that, he was a pro bowl guard and he believed he, you want to talk about somebody with pride. Nobody has more pride on that team than him. He wants to get back Mm. to business and be the best guard in football and We'll see if he can stay healthy this year and do it, but he, he's not somebody anyone should ever bet against. Right. There you go. Um, yeah. Um, one more question for, for me. Um, my question is is the wide receivers. Uh, we because we have uh, a number that's you know that's that's injury prone. He you know he probably played like one whole season out of his whole career. And uh, Robbie Anderson and we have Hernan and a couple of other guys. Um, so we so we uh, be excited. So we at least be. Uh, halfway excited for our wide receivers or should we still keep looking for you know keep looking for like another one because I feel like we don't have that number one guy you know they don't and I think the 2020 draft is going to be the answer for that with a lot of teams oh yeah it's an amazing class and I think there's just not a lot of number one guys in the NFL right now I I do this exercise Mm. all the time and I mean I would say AB Odell Hopkins uh, you know Julio there's a couple more but there's not really maybe more than 10 in the league when you look at the number one kind of guy that changes the game. So you're going to have to get creative on offense. Every team would love to have a number one guy. I don't even know if there's a number one guy in the AFC East right now. I mean, the Dolphins don't have one. The Bills don't have one. The the Jets don't have one. And the Patriots definitely don't have one unless Josh Gordon (laughs) can stay on the field. Nikhil Harry, they hope, can be that, but he hasn't played a game yet. So I'm not going to say he's a number one guy. So there you guys go when you look at how scarce they are at times. The AFC East doesn't have one. Now, what I'll tell you with this, I I don't think anyone – the Jets are so excited about Robbie Anderson this year. And I really – everyone, the coaching staff, Adam Gase, they believe that Robbie Anderson is no longer the, hey, you know, run a nine route, get down the field and win. They think he could be a complete player, and they think he's one of the best vertical threats in the NFL. And the interesting thing with Robbie Anderson is this might be the first time he has a quarterback that could push the ball vertically down the field to him consistently. And I know it's just OTAs, but we've already seen that in OTAs. So if you're going to bet on somebody from this offense to be Mr. Big Play, there is a lot of belief in that building right now that it's Robbie Anderson. Jamison Crowder is phenomenal underneath. And I think Anunwa, we love the flashes, but like you just can't stay healthy. So you're not going to bet on him, but anything you get out of him is great. And I think, once again, Le'Veon Bell in the past game, is Chris Herndon was great in the past game. It's a, it's a unit of a lot of good players. Not great yes. and not even mediocre. They are good football players. So, once again, Adam Gase is the guy that we've been so distracted by all the antics, which has been annoying at times. But on the football field, this is a good unit for him to work with and draw up a lot of creative things. 
Wow. Very true, man. Yeah, we we're all looking forward to the um to the what the season's gonna be, man. It seems very promising. Uh, any questions, guys? No, no. I think we we have. I think we asked everything yeah, we needed to ask. Good, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Again, thank you so much for coming through, Mister Connor J. Rogers. Man, big fan of yours. Uh, I'm always listening to the podcast. I don't miss a week, and the guys always do um, listen to you guys and always follow you on Twitter too. So. Thank you again, man, for stopping by. Oh, thank no you. no problem, guys. I love it. I had yeah, a lot of fun. I uh, really appreciate it, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon, all right? Thank, all right, man. You. Take care of yourself. Thank all you. right, later, thank guys. You, all, right. Um, all right. Again, uh, another great, great podcast, great episode. You can follow, you can follow Mr. Connor, Mr. Connor Rogers on Twitter at uh, Connor J. Rogers. Again, it's Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R. J Rogers O R R O G E R S. Um, Bleacher Report. Uh, thank you, thank, thank, thank him for coming, coming here with us and giving us very valuable, good information on the Jets. Um, always. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter, um, Jet Fans Podcast, and on Instagram, NY Jets Fans Podcast. Um, guys. Great, great episode. Great episode with y'all. Yep. Um, as always, uh, we close to fifty episodes. We might do something. That's we crazy. might do something special. Uh, we about close to ten episodes <laughs> away. So um, <laughs> as all as as always, guys. Uh, y'all enjoyed enjoy y'all Memorial Day because I'm off of work and I can I can't wait to sit back. I'm gonna sit back and drink a beer. For that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Enjoy, brother. I'm having one too. All right, yeah, guys. So, all right. Take flight. Take flight. Shut up. Take one.